Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where I interview guests about their crazy, unique occupations or life experiences. I'm your host, Leslie Fear. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today, I'm joined with Ryan Marcourt, and he is an astrologist, and I met him through my friend Karen Rontowski. I love her podcast, Paranormal Karen, and he was just on her podcast. And guys, welcome, Ryan, to the show. Oh, my gosh. Hello. It is lovely to be here. Thank you so much. I tell you, you are a fantastic astrologist. You've been on her podcast several times. And every time you're on, I keep thinking, I got to have him on my show. I got to have him on my show. And so I was like texting Karen. I was like, I really like that Ryan guy. And she's like, do you want his number? And I'm like, yeah. So <laughs> so Ryan, now, and I know we, we talked before we started recording. It's kind of hard to predict right now because the world is so insane. So I thought I'd just ask, okay, what are your thoughts about this year, 2023, uh, astrologically? And then we can kind of keep going from there. I'll pop in. We'll talk about maybe my chart a little bit. I sent you all of my information and you're not allowed to tell anybody how old I am. And then we'll go from there. (laughs) Okay. There is one thing I would say about your chart that may give your age away, but only if somebody really knows their astrology, I guess. (laughs) That's good to know. It's hilarious. Hey, listen, I am, you know, it's one of those things. You don't ask a woman her age, right? Totally. I would don't ask my age either. Right. Oh, whatever. <laughs> but so like this year, I mean, last year was kind of a, a crap show. The year before that crap show. Is it going to be another crap show? I know. And the year before that too, yes. 2020, 2021, 2022. It's oh, like, no. is it over? Uh, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> looking at just like even the long range trajectory of what's happening the whole 2020s are a massive adjustment for humanity we're going through such a huge period that it's hard to wrap our minds around it as we're going through it but it's truly going to be kind of a generation here for the history books that Mm -hmm. people will look back on 200 years from now and be learning from oh great i know so (laughs) we're making history but i will say i'm quite confident oh collectively just overall that we're getting a little bit of a reprieve this year I guess from the intensity of the last few years and there's still going to be some shakeups and problems you know there's no perfect year and astrology doesn't follow the Gregorian calendar so just putting it in the context of a calendar I, I mean it's always difficult but it's it's lighter there's better things happening overall and not as many tense aspects between the planets this year so overall collectively i feel like okay it'll be a little smoother we're being a little more productive and but there's some really big changes coming this year yeah and let me ask you this before we get into all this ryan i i don't know that much about astrology i know enough to not even be dangerous i don't know enough yet you know so can you tell my listeners and me too why does it matter where their planets are? And why does it matter how they move? Why does that affect it? I know why the moon affects the oceans. I get that. Is that kind of the same situation with the planets with us? Mm, good question. I'm like, how do I even answer that one? <laughs> um, that It's like, why does astrology work? Yeah. Truly, I don't know. That sort of a thing. It's like, it's so 
real for me now that I cannot ignore it. I've gone through phases of trying to be like, I can't do this astrology stuff. Like (laughs) that's not a living, you know, but every time, every time I distanced myself from it and tried to go back to my old career, astrology just started hitting me in the face, like textbook style. So it just works. That's what I know. I will also say, you know, it's not a belief system, it's a language. Um, it's just symbols and either you can interpret it or you can't, but anybody really can learn the language of astrology and figure out how to make it work. It matters because at least on an individual end for everybody, like why I think they should care (laughs) is because when you're born, all of the planets are positioned in certain signs and houses. And so it's kind of beautiful to me because you know everybody just talks about their sun sign and that's one tiny component of who you are we all have all the planets all the signs all the houses within us they're just concentrated in us very differently so looking at your birth chart will help you understand your energetic makeup and then that that sticks that's like your foundational energy it will your birth chart will never change Mm -hmm. but the planets keep moving right right so they'll keep going about the zodiac and flying around the sun and our solar system here and they will make specific angles to your natal placements and when certain angles come about we can start to predict themes just because we've tracked astrology for thousands of years now so we kind of know certain things to expect that's how predictions work you know yeah no that actually makes sense and that's the best explanation i've ever had no it really is because when you said it like that i no really because i i always wondered how how does it affect and it just does because of the alignment and then the energy that it exposes because i'm all about energy you know energy can't ever die it just changes form so when you talk about that there is a different energetic makeup of every single planet there's an energetic makeup of music or anything else that we we can't see you know what i mean so mm-hmm. i get that yeah so, well, while we're on the subject, we can talk about mine and then we can go into the predictions. You want to just, while we're, just get that out of the way, <laughs> we can talk about mine. Well, and also I thought, I thought it'd be fun for my listeners to see how you work. And that's why I thought, well, I already had it already done. I had somebody look at my chart and, and figure it all out. And then I just sent you that. And then that way you're not having to do all the work too. No, I think it makes sense. And honestly, maybe there's a way where we kind of keep bouncing back and forth between your chart and some of the stuff that's happening okay, this year, because sure. that's sort of reflected here. Oh. A lot of what's going on collectively is, is definitely going to be touching you individually in certain ways. Okay. Well, no. Um, that's, that's perfect. Um, yeah. I think a really big one, well, the month of March in general is just really huge. We've got three big planetary shifts. I keep hearing place. that. I keep hearing that. Mm-hmm. It's big. I don't know if we're going to feel it immediately, but I think, you know, shortly after we'll be okay. kind of realizing, oh, we're turning some sort of new page here. <laughs> is it like globally? What is it? Is it just the United States? What do you, what do you yeah. think? It's globally. So everybody's going to experience Saturn changing signs for the first time in two and a half years, Mm. Pluto changing signs for the first time in 15 years. And then Mars is changing signs as well, which Mars isn't usually that big of a deal when it changes signs because it's in a sign for like two months at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, But when it changes signs in March, it will have been in Gemini for eight months, which is obscenely long. So it's weird for Mars. It's going to feel like a really big energy when Mars changes. So that be a better situation or do you think? (laughs) Um, I 
I'm hopeful. Yeah. The fact that there's like these three planets all changing signs within a few weeks of each other. For me, it's showing people, okay, there's a whole different way forward now. And there's a new Mm. approach that, I mean, collectively, but individually also, we need to start taking. For you, I think a really big one is that Saturn will change signs on March 7th. It's moving from Aquarius into Pisces. Mm. This is a really big deal because even though Saturn has spent two and a half years in Aquarius, prior to that, it was in Capricorn for two and a half years. And Saturn rules both of those signs. So it's been a really tough five years of Saturn. Basically, it's a strong Saturn. Mm -hmm. Um, And Saturn is the planet of hardship, rules, regulations. Uh, It really teaches us big lessons. And we kind of karmically have to show up and be responsible and accountable for ourselves with Saturn. I love how you explain this. Okay, good. Oh, thank you. Um, Moving into Pisces on March 7th, Saturn doesn't really know what to do (laughs) in (laughs) Pisces. It's different. And so I think, you know, we're probably going to get a whole spectrum of ways that this can show up. But Saturn going into Pisces, okay, if Saturn rules boundaries, limits, it's hard. Pisces doesn't have any boundaries. Mm. It is boundless. So there's such a conflicting energy there where I think we're going to get collectively and individually, both of these options where Pisces, it can kind of evaporate things or dissolve. Oh, wow. And so I think it it will soften some of Saturn's hard edges. Um, So we'll be seeing, you know, just ways we put in structures um, that kind of need to be worn down a little bit. And Pisces will help do that pretty effortlessly. Pisces is just, it just kind of (laughs) happens. And then simultaneously, wherever we've been like, too loosey-goosey, too spacey, lacking structure, Saturn's going to come in and bolster that part of our life. So for you, this is your ninth house, which is really magical and mystical. The ninth house traditionally is known as the house of God. And it's especially big for you because it's starting your Saturn return. which you've already had a Saturn return. This is where I'm not going to age you. I'm not going to tell people how often they have a Saturn return. (laughs) Um, But but you're having your second Saturn return. Thankfully, the second one usually works out a lot better than the first one. The first one is often a time where I think it's the actual point of maturity. um, And we're forced Mm -hmm. to deal with, I don't know, the difficulties of life itself and the process of aging and Saturn rules all of that. So in this case, usually you step into a higher level of responsibility, especially if you faced that first Saturn return well and you really learned through it. So your Saturn return will be exact on April 24th. Oh, wow. That said, you will feel it starting March 7th. Like, it's such a huge shift of Saturn moving into Pisces. So I think, interestingly, like, the ninth house has so much to do with things like astrology. It it has to do with religion, but spirituality, really. And Pisces is the sign of the mystic. And Saturn brings energy into physical matter. So there's kind of this feeling for me of you really taking your spiritual practice more seriously, potentially even making it more a part of your actual work. I know that you have a whole separate career, which is so Gemini, the duality, like two (laughs) two different, you know, paths in life. It's good for you to do that. Um, But there's something here that's telling me multiple things because you have your moon in Pisces, your midheaven is in Pisces. The midheaven is like the peak point of career and reputation. And when planets hit that, big changes happen to our life path. 
on Saturn is going to make that very real. It will crystallize new energy coming from Pisces. So I think you're going to potentially be in a role of teaching somehow. And it will maybe take two and a half years. That Saturn return will be exact April 24th. But honestly, Saturn's going to retrograde. So you're going to get three hits of your Saturn return. April 24th, then August 12th, it'll hit again in retrograde, meaning it's going to back up over that Saturn. And you'll be rethinking the kind of changes that you want to cement. And then it'll move forward again. And your final hit will be January 18th. But the storyline is definitely not over because then after that, it's got to cross over your moon and then your midheaven at wow. the very end of this. So it's a two and a half year period of you really coming into form and owning your spiritual authority. And the ninth house is where we become a teacher or a guide or a wayfinder for others. People can learn from us in the ninth house. It's our philosophy and our wisdom. So you're owning that over the next two and a half years, but it'll start pretty fast. Yeah, I I have to say, you know, with this podcast, and I don't know if you know much about my podcast, you're new to me, and I don't expect you to listen to everything. I, I don't know if you've listened to any of my podcasts, but I spread awareness so much on this podcast. And that is the whole entire reason I do this podcast. Even though it's a paranormal true crime podcast, because I do cover people like that are in prison or whatever, right? And I have interviews with people like that, um, because they're interesting as well. And they could maybe teach us things if they've learned things. And I like to evolve and make people understand and have grace for people, those kinds of things, right? But I also understand or I try to understand uh, guys you don't have to be afraid of death you don't have to be afraid of you know going to the other side or whatever I interview near-death experiencers so what I do is I try to do that spreading awareness thing to where if I can do it and make everyone else feel better about just living in the moment and enjoying their life absolutely that is my goal I don't get paid for this podcast yet I've been approached I don't know if I want to get paid yet I don't know if I want I don't I don't need the money I'm doing this because I love it literally doing this because I love it. And I also, all of a sudden, my TikTok has become a home decor page. I don't even understand. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. But this is, but you ha- do you have that as a business? No, I, I, no, I write paranormal romance books too. I mean, and I did that, but it was all, I, listen, I'm not going to tell everybody this. We are very comfortable. My husband made very good money. We're retired now. He works a little bit because he can and they needed him. So he's like, fine, I'll go back and do some work for you because you want me to. I wrote books, made some money. Did I don't, you know, I don't pay the mortgage. You know, it, you know, I buy some furniture here and there with it. It's not like I'm making a killing on them. Now I'm focused on the podcast, but I'm doing it because literally out of the love of it. And I also love to decorate. And I tell you what, I started going on TikTok, just talking about what I do and saving people money and use what you have and don't worry about trends. But if you want it to look nice and brighten things up, all the things. Now I've got almost 30,000 people following me on TikTok because I decorate right. I mean, what? Uh-huh. What? Okay, so this is really interesting to know, Leslie, because oh. <laughs> I I thought it like just from looking at your social media, I was like, oh, she does this as a career. And it makes sense that you would because you're a cancer rising. Cancer rules home. Um, and our, our rising is what we're really attracted to. And the rising can really talk about like day to day. What do you want to operate? What are you interested in? Okay. And cancer literally rules home, real estate. And you have Venus in cancer. Venus is about beautifying. 
Mm. And, and it's also money. It's so common that people who are in real estate or the home-based industry have Venus in Cancer in oh. a sign or in a house, like their first house, which just rules you, or their 10th house of career. So this is an area that you'd find prosperity in. But so does everything else that you just said, that podcasts are the ninth house where your Saturn return is happening. Okay. Um, any information dissemination, broadcasting of any kind is the ninth house. When an author publishes a book, that publishing happens in the ninth house. So you, this will be a two and a half year period where you will probably be growing your podcast very diligently because yeah. Saturn's not going to provide this massive expansive opportunity that's more of a Jupiter thing where there's this giant leap and growth Saturn is more like structured and sustainable and it wants you to create something for the long haul so you're really sinking into that and I think you might publish another book I, I don't know why you wouldn't and it would probably do really well and create a lot of great passive income for you I think the podcast will certainly grow and as your Saturn return is happening that first hit is April it quickly moves into a trine with your Venus in your first house mm -hmm. Venus is money and beauty so this is also where the trine in the with Venus will actually take place place right around May 16th. So this is a really big couple of weeks for you. I mean, Venus might infuse you with an advertising opportunity for your podcast. It wow. might be a former publisher or something approaching you about a book and really encouraging you to get started on another one. But it could also be you starting to monetize the TikTok account, right? Because right. you're moving into this home beautification know, space right? and it is working. <laughs> it just works here. I mean, like when I go live, Ryan, there's like a thousand people on my live. I'm like, what yeah, the hell is going on? I mean, I spent a year and a half just talking about my podcast, my books. And listen, I don't make a lot of money. I don't care. It's just fun. I, I challenge myself. I am my own challenge, right? So I go on and I talk about my books. And, and I did find I had, you know, 7,000 people follow me, which isn't terrible. It's not high. It's just, it's fine. So but when I started talking about changing my formal living room into a lounge room with some club chairs and a big round table, and it was all sexy room and all that. Oh my God. It's like, what the heck happened? Now I go on and people, they, I had to start linking things that I bought because they would not stop. I had to get my daughter a lot. Of, and then I talked to someone else who's a medium. I interview mediums too. And she said, uh, you better strap it on with the whole podcast thing. And I was like, why is it bad? And she goes, oh no, I see you with a mic around your jawline and uh, you're on stage. And I'm like, oh no, 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 you did not say that. I'm going to have to get plastic surgery. No, we're not doing that. I don't want, I don't want that. I, I see, here's the deal. You think I'm Gemini? I'm not Gemini. I don't feel like I'm Gemini. I am great one-on-one -on -one or three people or what. I am not good in groups. I don't like a lot of people around me. I don't like that. Your Gemini is really funny. You are very Gemini to me. Your Gemini makes a lot of sense to me. I'm a Gemini as well. Oh, okay. So I just have an affinity for Gemini and people have the biggest misperceptions of Gemini. It's the most misunderstood sign. Okay, it, people hate the sign of Gemini. Your Gemini and you only have your sun in Gemini. You don't have any other planets in Gemini. So it's just your sun. Okay. Um, and the sun matters, but it's it's not as important as people think it is, to be okay. honest. Everything is a reflection as above, so below. So if you think above, the sun keeps the whole solar system alive. We'd be dead without it, right? So you have right. to take care of that sun placement. But you're doing that. Your sun is in the 12th house 
that is the most spiritual, mystical space. It rules everything not of the physical world. So the paranormal bend that you have to yourself Mm -hmm. is what you're interested in. Gemini rules learning and talking, right? So you're doing this already. And the 12th house, we kind of isolate ourselves. It's not a social space. So you are a social person. Look at you like chatting me up, but you do it in these more introverted yes. or one-on-one scenarios yes. that's a very 12th house thing you nail on the head see guys i'm telling you i told you he was fantastic uh, and he explains it to where i can understand it because like i said don't get me wrong i mean it's not like it's rocket science but to me it is because he's been studying this probably for most of his life i, I know he's been consulting for over 10 years so guys he knows what he's talking about and i love that he can explain it and i can go oh that makes sense because I thought I had something wrong with me. So there you go. <laughs> oh my God. I know. It's so common that people don't feel like they're sun sign. This is why horoscopes bug me so much um, <laughs> that we just, we read them the wrong way. And I, I won't even get into the history of horoscopes and okay, why they're a right. thing, but it's just terrible. Your rising sign matters a little bit more. If anybody's reading their horoscopes, find your rising sign, read your rising sign horoscope first, and then your sun sign and synthesize them. It will make so much more sense. Oh, yeah. Is that the ascending sign, Ryan? Mm-hmm. Is that the, yeah, is that the, the same ascendant. The okay, is that the same yeah. as the rising? Okay. Yeah, basically, yeah. Okay. So, so, yeah, you've got this beautiful thing. I love that you said paranormal romance novels, right? Yes, yes. By the way? Yes. Okay, because Pisces is the sign of romance. Yeah. Um, so Saturn will, for a lot of people, be creating a, a tangible romantic opportunity. Sometimes it's going to show up like a new love, but in your case, it could absolutely show up as the romanticization. Is that, is that yeah, a word? Romantic, romantic, whatever. You'll be romanticizing something <laughs> that you're putting out into the world because, <laughs> because we do that. In the ninth house, you throw something into the world and because of your Saturn here, it's a physical thing. This isn't like, oh, a thought on social media. This is going to be probably a, the publishing of something right, real right. for you. And I have a feeling it might be more about the podcast. Don't get me wrong. I love writing and I did that for 10 years. And I'm a little bit burnt out on writing now and I don't see myself and I know we all have free will, blah, blah, blah. I don't see myself writing right now um, because it's so much work. It is so much work to put a book out. You got to write it. Then you have to have an editor. Then you go through it two times and you got to get beta readers and you got to get a proofreader. Then you got to get a cover artist. Then you got to get it formatted. Then you got to get it published. It's just, it's so much. And you know, and so my first one right now, honey, <laughs> it's hard. And, and, and don't be wrong, you know, and I loved it, but there are so many aspects to it and it's expensive. Don't get me wrong. I did it for long enough and I went to book signings and I was, you know, I was, you know, mildly successful. I wasn't overly successful. My books were bestsellers on Amazon, but now my podcast is in the top 1% globally right now. And I, like I said, I don't get money for this. People have approached me, but I it would have to be the right person. I don't know if I want that. Uh-huh. I mean, makes sense. It's a sad reality of the world we live in. And it's honestly such a struggle for anybody, I think, in the spiritual space, the idea of monetizing this type of work. Right, but it's just right. the society we find ourselves in. We kind of have to make the money. And also there's a, I, I really have had to learn this myself, but there is an energetic exchange, right? right. Where anybody, I, if I give free readings to them, if there's not a transaction of some sort, that energy is not sinking in to them. You know, they exactly. won't take it as seriously. Yeah. It, it matters. Invest in your spiritual growth. That's what it is. You make a good point. Um, uh, Ryan, because I, you know, people, everybody's telling me, so many of my friends are like, you need to be paid for this. Like this episode, guys, when Ryan and I finish the episode, I don't know how much you guys understand 
how much I edit my episodes. I will spend like, let's say it's a 45 minute episode. I'll spend six hours editing it because I want him to be as proud as he possibly can be of what he gave me. And I want him to be able to go off and say, guys, I had the most wonderful interview. I want it to be just as good. He's giving me his time and he's giving me a reading that he didn't have to do. And th- this is my payback for him. And, you know, I do it for every single person I interview. And that's a transaction right here. You know, yes. um, I appreciate you having me on and introducing me and your listeners. And, and it's so wonderful. So, of course, I'm yeah. more than happy to do that. Thank yeah. you. Good to know. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. I think so. As far as how collectively the Saturn and Pisces might play out. Yes. I just think everybody should, you're going to want to romanticize certain parts of your life. Wherever Pisces is at in your chart, it'll rule a certain house. And that house will tell you where Saturn and Pisces is playing out. It really will kind of create some new structures that you need, but it's also going to wear away outdated structures that are probably ready to just be loosened up a little bit. I think what everybody should be worried about or look out for is the idea of a victim mentality. Pisces can fall into that really quickly Mm. and it can romanticize pain um, and our suffering. You know, Pisces can just have that, I don't know, martyr like quality or here's, here's a way that I'm sacrificing myself for everybody else in my life. And we start to, I don't know, romanticize that in a way that's not going to be healthy. So that's not the best way to operate, but it's a very healing sign. It's a sign that's super of service. It's tapped into the collective unconscious. So it just kind of knows where it needs to go to be of use and help and heal. So I think a lot of people are going to be stepping into that somehow as well, but in a very real way, because it's Saturn. So it's like conceptually Everybody can embody this beautiful, mystical Pisces energy. So what you're saying is, it's hard to predict, and Ryan even admitted that to me. Right now, everything's so dang fluid, and we don't even know what the heck's going on, because every single day, the energetic field seems so different to me. Every day, there's a horrible tragedy, if you watch the news, and I probably watch way too much, um, and there's always some horrible thing that happened, and I know energetically that can shift people. And I know Mother Earth is just energetically, I don't know if she's cleansing herself. I think that's what she's doing. That's what my my resident psychic said, uh, Christina Curran, you guys all know her. She's amazing. She said, you know, I don't think she's fighting back. She's literally cleansing herself of all of this energy and all of the backlash we've had for decades with everything. And I don't know if that has anything to do with this either. I mean, it's, it's so yeah. interesting considering the state of Earth. Right as far as astrology goes, because we don't read Earth. Everything's from our perspective on Earth, Oh, I, guess. I didn't but know that. Yeah, yeah. So, like, that's why the sun in astrology appears to move through the zodiac signs, and that doesn't make sense, because we oh. know that we move around the sun, right? But it's all <laughs> about perspective. Okay. That's, yeah, that's why, like, where you were born matters, because it's a different perspective on Earth, and okay. you'll see the planets moving through houses differently, you know? I see. Um, just okay. depending on the time and day and location right yeah okay as far as january and february go really it's an adjustment like that's where we're kind of just continuing what was going on at the end of 2022 and the calendar doesn't matter as much at that point there's planets leaving retrograde so mars left retrograde january 12th january 18th which really was this morning (laughs) mercury left retrograde thankfully And then on January 22nd, Uranus leaves retrograde. So at that point, January 22nd, all planets are direct until April 21st. So that's a three-month window of time Mm. where we're going to see a lot of momentum building. Time will feel quick. It's basically like there's no resistance to getting things accomplished at that point. So everybody should make use 
of the time really between January 22nd and April 21st. And then after that, the rest of the year, something's retrograde at any given point. So that's really like where we're moving January and February, just kind of getting the planets okay. moving forward again. Well, and tell me, why does retrograde have anything to do with, is it is it bad? Is it good? Why is it? Why is everybody always saying it's bad? I feel like it's got this bad connotation. Is that correct? I know. No, I hate it. It can definitely, it can definitely um, bring some problems, but it's a natural part of the cycle. It's all about editing and it's good for your, like your hygiene, you know, it's right. like, we just got to change things sometimes and edit ourselves in our life. You and the new things. Yeah, yeah. You can't just keep pummeling forward. Sometimes you got to go a few steps back in order to take that next giant leap forward. That so that's what yeah. it is. And nope, the planets don't really move backwards. Again, it's just an optical illusion from our perspective right. on earth. It's sort of like when you're in a lane next to a car and it looks like one of the cars is moving backwards or something. And it's just like kind of a weird feeling. I don't know. Like it's you're maybe moving forward and so they're not moving backwards, but it looks like they are. Right. And that influences us because it's all perception in astrology. So the retrograde for any planet is a revisiting. That's what retrograde means. Totally makes sense. Um, okay. It's re. Yeah. It's, so whatever that planet is in charge of. That's what's being revisited based on where it just transited in the sky or in your birth chart. It's almost like Any a grace R-E period. Word, yeah. You know? uh, yeah, I mean, it's a grace period. It kind of, but there's still work to be done. It's like you have to still redo things, okay. rework, okay. rethink, reorganize, rest. Any R-E word works for a retrograde. Mm. So when it's Mercury retrograde, which everybody, you know, that's the popular one, Mercury rules communication. So if you're writing something, working with paperwork, if you've had a fight with the friend the retrograde can bring that theme back up and you revisit it rework it so that then when it moves forward again you're prepared yourself to move forward and be more solutions oriented and fix that problem with like a venus retrograde that's happening this year venus Mm. is relationships and money so a lot of people will be reassessing relationships and money well you know at this point with the economy the way it is yeah we're all reassessing that but so what do you think about the rest of this year like if you think the first six months maybe you just we just categorize the first six months and maybe the last six months and is it that big of a change Uh, yeah it is it is honestly most of the planetary changes are happening in the first six months so we already talked about saturn pluto's gonna dip into aquarius for the first time it's changing signs for the first time in 15 years. Oh, but wow. Pluto hasn't been in Aquarius for 248 years. Wow. <laughs> um, okay. So we've never experienced this in our lifetime. That's a huge energy, but that's just a little dip. It's going to dip in there March 23rd until June 11th. And then it retrogrades back into Capricorn for the rest of this year. And then okay. after that, it'll basically be an Aquarius for the next 20 years. Okay. Um, it's a whole new phase. And Pluto's a generational planet because it's on the edge of the solar system. So it impacts us in much larger cohorts, I guess. Mm-hmm. It really does explain the generations that you were born into. So that'll be a big shift, but it's very subconscious with Pluto. So people might not feel too much, but there's sort of this like bubbling up within you, Pluto. So I think everybody just look at March 23rd through June 11th. What internal changes are you really experiencing or Mm. patterns coming from a subconscious space into your conscious mind all of a sudden? You're not going to probably do anything about it, but it's, it's just popping up and it's a teaser for the next 20 years of things you'll be working on. And it's all about calling your 
your power back to yourself. Aquarius, collectively, is we the people. So I think Pluto moving into Aquarius is great for social and civic matters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, government structures, which is Capricorn, which is what Pluto's leaving, the power in these hierarchical governmental institutionalized structures is really getting broken down and the power is going to the people now. Oh, that, um, oh, so we that need that. Is exciting. <laughs> we need that. Mm-hmm. Do you know about when that's going to happen? You know, around what time of year? Or do you think that's going to just be a process in the next few years? That's where I'm really curious to see if anything pops up. Um, like protests, that's an Aquarius oh, type okay. of thing, okay. right? Activists. Okay. So I think if that pops up this year, in that couple of months that Pluto dips into Aquarius, I'm assuming that'll be a huge theme. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it'll really not start kicking in until 2024. At that point, Pluto's firmly in Aquarius. It'll have another tiny dip into Capricorn, but it's kind of insignificant, I think. Okay. Um, so there will be huge changes. Aquarius is technology and science as well. So we're also going to be dealing with the issues there, but also very profound evolution in what we know of as science and technology. So it'll be an exciting time for sure. Yeah. Let me ask you this. So if you had to choose which signs would benefit from this year specifically, do you know, like, can you, can you name like two or three or four of them or whatever, or maybe just it might just be one. I don't even know. Definitely Aries and Taurus are getting like just fully embraced by Jupiter this year. Aries, the first half, Taurus, the second half. Oh, nice. And then, okay, they're going to be the signs that I think have a lot of growth potential. Really beautiful things will happen to them. I do think Pisces as well is going to get some great stuff with Saturn moving in there, but maybe some difficulties as well. The bigger thing I'm interested in is that the mutable signs have been really going through it. Mutable signs are Gemini, Sagittarius, Pisces, and Virgo, and they're really going to feel like a lifted energy where they're just not as tied down (laughs) anymore. So life should feel a little easier for them. The fixed signs will be dealing with some difficulties aside from Taurus. Taurus is going to start getting really supported May 16th, honestly, until May of 2024. But the other three fixed signs, Aquarius, Leo, uh, Scorpio, they're still going through some difficult situations. Mm, okay. And maybe just uh, proceed with caution with those, you know, in particular, just, uh, you know. Yeah. Know your surroundings. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because my, my thing is, too, you know, Ryan's not going to tell you, you know, don't leave your house, obviously. But also, you know, if you guys have more cognitive thoughts about, you know, where you go, what you do, who you surround yourself with, maybe that'll play out now and you can go, hey, Ryan said to just kind of be more wary of things or maybe just be more aware. There you go. Uh Uh-huh. And trust me, it matters. Like, I think this stuff matters. What people should not be worried about as all the planets start their cascade of retrogrades, April 21st, that'll the first retrograde will be Mercury and then Pluto is shortly after that. And then they just kind of keep going. In general, don't be worried about it. I think the two retrogrades that are most impactful are Venus and Mars because they don't go retrograde that often. But Mars just left retrograde. So it's not going to be retrograde again for another two years and two months, basically. Venus does go retrograde this year. It only goes retrograde once every year and a half. Um, so that will be something that I think a lot of people are going to feel. But Mercury retrograde, I mean, it's retrograde three to four times a year. A quarter of the population has is born with Mercury retrograde, meaning it usually is not going to impact them as deeply. And the outer planets beyond that, they're retrograde for like half the year. So it's oh, on yeah. it. We're so familiar with that energy. You know, right. it's not, I don't think it's important. Like a lot of astrologers, 
especially on social media, <laughs> will be like, oh, you know, Saturn's going retrograde, Neptune's going retrograde, and they'll really incite a lot of fear in that stuff. And in my experience, we don't even feel it. Right, <laughs> we exactly. really don't. Yeah, well, it's that clickbait thing. But so you're thinking maybe some social uh, governmental things might change. What else are you thinking could happen maybe with the world, you know, with all these uh, different things this year? Definitely. So yeah, that first half of the year really is the planet's changing signs and we're adjusting to some very new themes coming into the picture. And then I would say the second half of the year, just in general, (laughs) that's really when, okay, we're not out of retrograde. So we're kind of overall rethinking a lot of, okay, where is this going? You know, especially anything new that gets underway for anyone or collectively, first half of the year, we're kind of having to hash it out and figure it out the second half of the year. But also the second half of the year, a big theme is that the nodes are changing signs. So the nodes are the north node and the south node. They are 180 degrees opposite each other. They are the eclipse points, essentially. They explain where the eclipses are happening in the sky. And so we only get eclipses twice every six months, basically. But it's, again, from our perspective on Earth, looking at the orbit of the sun and the moon, if they were always crossing paths, those two points are the eclipse points. And so the south node is what we're releasing, letting go of, not focusing on as much. Mm -hmm. And the north node is what we're growing into. It's destiny, it's fate. They're both kind of faded karmic spaces for us, but it really represents this growth evolutionary process. So they're currently in Taurus and Scorpio. So we're releasing the worst parts of Scorpio and moving into the best parts of Taurus. And on July 18th, that will shift. The nodes move backwards through the signs. Mm, So all of a sudden, we're focusing on the best parts of Aries and releasing the worst parts of Libra. That is an interesting axis because the Aries-Libra axis is all about me versus you. Aries is I am. (laughs) This is my self-development, my self-concept. Who am I? And Libra is all about who are you? And (laughs) how do we, you know, how do we balance that? It's the blending of two egos, right? And so a lot of relationship themes will pop up. Mm -hmm. People are going to be moving more into the need for independence. Libra is the sign of partnership and marriage. So I'm not saying that just because the South Node's there, we're going to see a bunch of divorces or people not wanting to be in relationship. I think we need that, but it's it's all about the balance. The South Node is not something to ignore necessarily. It's it's kind of like the seesaw effect. How do we make these both work? How do we enter into better partnership with others by being better versions of ourselves? For me, it's really the theme of like, codependence versus interdependence Mm. um codependent being more of a libra thing i need you i need you south node in libra has this feeling of jan spiller said this she's an amazing astrologer yeah i believe it was jan spiller now i'm questioning that um where south node libra people who are born with that they enter partnership with mindset of like we are two halves making up a whole and they've kind of romanticized again that that idea of what it means to be in a relationship with someone like a twin flame and thing. yeah yeah i think we're going to be releasing that i don't know your thoughts on that but i'm not a twin flame fan no, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> i just but, think it leads to a lot no. of very traumatic relationships he wants to have a relationship with themselves that. i don't understand exactly. that why exactly would you, yeah, exactly no and just like inherently like thinking of yourself as a half half of a person i know come on like no you are you are an entire individual that's so that's that north node in aries that is two 
complete people choosing to enter into an agreement with each other. And it doesn't have to be romantic. It really is this idea of business partnership, best friends, roommates, like any good one-on-one union between you and another person where there's any level of a, a commitment there. You make a promise to someone, right? Are you good enough in yourself to uphold that end of the agreement, you know, and is that person reciprocating their end? We're just going to be assessing a lot of that stuff and kind of cleaning out the relationships that no longer work in our lives. And it's also, I guess, more on a collective end, too. What I'm concerned about is more like diplomacy (laughs) between nations. Libra's the diplomat, the mediator, the peacekeeper. So if there's the south node going through there, there could be a letting go of the peace um, and a moving into Aries, which is the sign of war. Uh, the warrior and just, you know, almost like I I view it like extreme nationalism almost there. So I'm, I'm worried about that on a global end. Uh, But at the same time, it could be that, you know, nations are taking more accountability for themselves. Right. And saying, this is who we are and this is our place in the world. And we need to not disrupt the peace. And so the, the South node can sometimes be a more effortless process if we really trust in it and that what it's trying to do for us. So maybe diplomacy and peace agreements happen like pretty seamlessly. I don't see that that, I don't know how that would be the case well, given yeah. the state of the world. Exactly. But. And, and hey, you know, listen, I know you're a tarot card reader too, so you can always pull a card if you're ever wondering. So, and that's another thing he can yeah. do, guys. Yeah, he he's a he's a tarot reader and he's a Reiki man. Well, he's a Reiki practitioner, I think. So, right? Yeah. 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 Level two. I'm not a master yet. Yeah. I haven't felt super called to go into Reiki. Okay. But yeah, I, I didn't even know that about you. I was looking at your bio besides just, you know, looking at all of the things you do and the, and the responses you do on TikTok and that kind of thing. And so I went to your bio and I didn't even know you did tarot. So that's very cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tarot is what I first started professionally. What are your thoughts about tarot? Do you think it's a um, a good predictor of things coming? Do you think it's just an energy thing between you and the client? What makes it work so well? I know. It's really interesting. I definitely think it's an energy thing. I struggle with predictions with it. I find astrology to be way more accurate really? on a timing end. Wow. I mean, I definitely can say like if somebody's question in tarot has to do with what's, you know, I'm going to move this June, what right. do you see happening? Then I think, you know, the tarot will just answer that. I, for tarot, also think the intention is super important. With astrology, if a client doesn't have anything they want to work on, it's fine. I've got tons of language here that I can look at and tell you. (laughs) But with tarot, if it's just, let's see what comes up. I get it. I can do that. But it's never as specific. I, I don't know how it's going to really relate to them, but well, and we all it, have free I don't know, will. Tarot yeah. really relates. And we all have free will, so we it may or may not contribute to that because, like you said, planets don't lie. They do what they do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. They, yeah. They change their archetypes. Like, these are ancient archetypes, but so as human consciousness changes and the way we structure ourselves in society changes, the planet kind of reflects that change as well. They take right. on new form, I guess. Right. Um, like, I, I think the best way I can put it is there's a huge theory in astrology that we discover a new planet when human consciousness is ready for it. So Pluto was discovered in the 1930s, I think yeah, 1930, 30s, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was right when we were realizing there's a subconscious mind, that oh, therapy wow. was coming into play, right? And so Pluto... And it's not even just Pluto. It's like, why did we name it Pluto, right? Pluto is Hades. It is the god of the underworld. Your subconscious is the underworld of your own mind. So go figure as we we name this planet, we discover it, name it, and start understanding its influence in the larger scheme of astrology. It's got this subterranean effect to it. 
And as we're coming into consciousness of that, we're coming into consciousness of the subconscious. It's so interesting how astrology just reflects how we grow. So the planets also change in the same way. Right. And, you know, some people are more called to, you know, doing the Reiki, doing more tarot. And I think they're really good at it. So it's one of those things where I think you're going to shine in whatever you're really good at and the things that resonate with you most. Because I don't want to give anybody a bad name on anything because I think they all work well with the person who works with them. Yeah, and I think everybody just needs to really own their own approach. I remember trying too hard to fit into the certain styles of tarot reading or very traditional card meanings. Same with astrology. You know, every astrologer who starts really practicing is naturally going to practice in the same way that they were taught, right? Right. So I think it comes alive when you find your own rhythm and style. So I've done that with astrology and also tarot. I've kind of got my like, I don't know, there's certain things in the cards that I get really drawn to um, for kind of no reason, but it's just what I do and it's what works. And I, and I love how you explain things because, you know, when I've talked to other astrologers, they're fantastic. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've interviewed other people that can do it as well. But when you explained it to me, I was like, oh, I didn't even know that. I didn't even know I was going to ask you a question and I ended up getting an answer. So, but guys, I know Ryan has to go. So Ryan, tell everyone where they can find you and if you have any messages uh, as we close this interview out. Yeah, I think the only big thing I didn't discuss is Venus retrograde. So that's going to be July 22nd through September 3rd. Okay. It's retrograding in the sign of Leo. Leo rules our heart space, you know, and Venus is, it's money, right? But everything is always deeper. So it's worth, it's self-worth, the inner wealth. So the retrograde is going inward and asking us to really consider how much do we value ourselves here. And so it can play out in a relationship way, like people, relationships might end, money problems can come up, but ultimately at the heart of it, Leo heart. Uh, It's about how much do you value you, you know, and don't let anybody else make you feel invaluable. It could be a tricky retrograde. So that's the only other thing. Okay. Yeah. As far as finding me, my website is ryansastrology.com and you can book me there. I've got a bunch of different reading options. And on Instagram, I'm at Ryan Marcourt, although I'm not as active on Instagram as I used to be. I'm kind of distancing from it a little bit, but I'll, I'll still keep it up. Uh, and then TikTok, I'm at Ryan's Astrology on right, TikTok. Right. And I'll add all that in my show notes because, guys, he is fantastic. He is so fun to talk to. Before we started recording, we just had a blast. And um, But he's personable. Um, book him if you guys are interested in this. I'm fascinated by what he can do. And I would actually consider doing tarot reading with him, too. Because uh, regardless, I just think tarot is so interesting and fascinating, especially for a quick answer for here or there, you know. Um, so, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on my show. It's been fantastic having you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, I love providing because I want to know at no cost. So if you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review or you can just buy me a cup of coffee. It's kind of like a Patreon, but you don't have a monthly subscription and you can give whatever you feel led to give. I am a one-woman show and I do all of my scheduling and my interviewing and my editing. So just know your support is so greatly appreciated. And one more thing, I am a paranormal romance novelist and you can find all of my books on Amazon. Just look up my name. I'm very easy to find. Thank you guys again and I will see you next week.